down while I'm listening and you can't hear me or I've heard other callers uh, that happens too. Did, uh, Walter, do you think it's uh, racist for someone uh, to post, uh, quote, ban all white people until we figure out what's going on, end quote? Do I think the what? Not say it again. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't get that. Ban all white people until we figure out what's going on. Ban all white people until we figure out what's going on? Yeah, I think I know your answer, but I just wanted to hear you say it. Ban all white? No, I don't. You think that's racist? Uh, no. I I don't think, I guess the context of it is what we need to look at. And, and, And the reason I say that is because there are certain situations where, where uh, amongst black folks anyway, especially, um, and you see it in other societies as well, um, we do not need, we need to figure these things out ourselves, right? We need Live to from out- NPR oh. News, I'm Giles Snyder. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is praising the courage of the people of Ukraine and pledging continued U.S. support, saying today that Congress is working on President Biden's request for the next installment of USAID. We are already writing the bill for the $33 billion for weapons, for security, for humanitarian assistance, and for economic assistance. Pelosi spoke in Poland today after becoming the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit Kiev since the start of the war more than two months ago. A video shared by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky shows him greeting Pelosi and other Democratic lawmakers who accompany her outside his presidential office. Pelosi's visit to Ukraine came as fierce fighting is ongoing in eastern and southern parts of the country as Russian forces seek to make headway. An NPR's Brian Mann reports Russia continues to hit Ukrainian cities with cruise missiles. Ukraine has managed to block major advances by Russian ground forces, but villages and towns caught in the crossfire face a deadly situation. NPR observed heavy incoming Russian artillery in the village of Shevchenkova on the southern front. A Ukrainian officer who NPR can name only as Alexei said the two armies are so close it's hard to tell which side is firing its cannons and missile launchers. We hear outgoing artillery and we can't identify it. Is it our artillery outgoing or their? Battles like this one stretch along the entire front. Meanwhile, Russia launched cruise missiles at Ukrainian city Saturday with one barrage hitting Odessa's airport. Brian Mann, NPR News, Southern Ukraine. The Starbucks unionizing campaign is driving a surge in union election petitions this year. To date, around 250 Starbucks stores have sought union elections. And NPR's Andrea Shu reports it does not stop there. Food and drink establishments have traditionally been among the least unionized workplaces in the U.S. But now that could be changing, starting with the organizing at Starbucks. Petitions for union elections at Starbucks stores make up almost a quarter of all of those filed with the National National Labor Relations Board this year. More than 40 stores have so far voted to unionize. There's also been a rise in union interest from workers at colleges and universities, including student workers, as well as in retail. Workers at more than a dozen cannabis shops have sought union elections this year. Still, union membership in the U.S. remains low. Only 6% of private sector workers are union members. Andrea Shu, NPR News. And northern New Mexico, fire officials say they're preparing for a return turn of windy conditions. Calmer weather yesterday helped firefighters battling the nation's wild, uh, largest wildfire east of Santa Fe, but they're warning residents to be prepared to evacuate. You're listening to NPR News. In the Wichita area, people are cleaning up after Friday night's tornado. Officials say hundreds of homes and other structures were destroyed or damaged. More than 15,000 people lost electrical service. There were several injuries but no deaths. However, three University of Oklahoma meteorology students were killed Friday night when their car hydroplaned. The White House Correspondents Association held its annual dinner last night following a two-year hiatus due to the pandemic. NPR's Dave Mistich reports the event also saw the return of a sitting president at the dinner, a first in six years. Trevor Noah, the host of Comedy Central's The Daily Show, played MC for the night, with guests including politicians, news media, and others. Keeping with tradition, Noah took the opportunity to roast not only President Biden, but also other major players in Washington. The real reason that it's such an honor to be here tonight is that we all get to be in the same room as the most powerful man in the United States. So let's give it up for Joe Manchin, everybody. 
Biden himself joked about his approval rating, his age, and the difficulties involved in passing marquee policy proposals. I came to office with an ambitious agenda, and I expected it to face stiff opposition in the Senate. I just hoped it would be from Republicans. Biden later took a more serious tone, noting that with disinformation on the rise, a free press matters more than ever. Dave Mistich, NPR News. President Biden is traveling to Minneapolis today. He's scheduled to speak at the memorial service for the late Walter Mondale. The former vice president died a year ago. The service was delayed by the pandemic. I'm Giles Snyder. This is NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Jarl and Pamela Moan. Thanking the people who make public radio great every day and also those who listen and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation at MacFound.org. And you're listening to WMNF Tampa. They do the dog, y'all. Family, it's your resident chef, Big Eddie G, inviting you to the Soul Kitchen. Me and my assistant chef, Mr. White Pepper Dave and Bryant, serve up the best of R&B and soul music with a pinch of hip-hop and jazz and a dash of fun. So stop by Friday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Bring your appetite, because the kitchen will show enough fill you up right. Here, only on 88.5 WMNF. Hi, I'm Sean, and I hope you tune in to my interview show called Tuesday Cafe every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 WMNF. I interview environmentalists, politicians, social justice activists, academics, and other experts about topics that impact you right here in the Tampa Bay area. I focus on issues that are important locally and across the whole state of Florida. The show is called Tuesday Cafe with Sean Canan. It's every Tuesday morning at 10 on 88.5 FM, WMNF Tampa, and on WMNF.org. And we are back to the Sunday Forum, taking your telephone calls here on 813-239-9663 here on the Sunday Forum, 88.5 FM with Walter L. Smith II and you, Walter. What's in that groove? What's in that groove? That's when <laughs> yeah. Billy, y'all. Uh, when Billy be coming up with these grooves. <laughs> yeah. The old soul. Yeah. 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 All right. We're back. It's seven minutes. Seven minutes after the hour. We were on the line with uh, Chris Steiner, who's a regular on the show. And Chris asked a very interesting question. Really? And I think that I think that's a, it's a good, that's a very good question, especially when we talk about the issue of labor. Right? Yeah. So let's let's make a comparison, right? And let's let's look at let's do a historical survey if we will. I don't think Chris is on the line. Let's, let's he may be. He may still be. Let's see if, if he's on one of the one of the lines here. Um and but but Chris, are you there? Oh. oh we lost that one line. Chris, are you there? Oh uh, yeah. Okay, all right. All right, so Chris, here we go. Um, there is a long history, and I know that you're aware of this, but I think it's a matter of perspective. When we look at the issue of labor, when we look at the issue, uh, which is the scope of what we're talking about today, uh, when we talk about the issue of, I guess the way you, when we talk perspective, the word ban, some might be fine with that word ban. And I think I think the reality of it is I'm not looking at, at apologizing for it or anything else like that. The reality of it is, is that there is a need for uh, black laborers uh, and black people across the board to be able to get a grip on what's happening, the realities of what's happening to us, right? Um, without without anybody else being involved, we need to figure that out ourselves. Uh, if there is support to be had, we will say when the support happens. But we need to take agency and we need to have controls over how and when Things are dealt with. Uh, it happened with the bus boycott in 1955. It happened with uh, uh, the the school lunches and free school lunches and things that were that were created and established by um, the Black Panthers, which ultimately took on a national uh, a national uh, got national attention and took on a national um, action that actually worked in favor of all people uh, who were in poverty. 
uh, and then when when white people got involved, um, it, it you know it went you know we we uh, we were able to get things done at a at a more national level in a lot of instances, right? Um, but I think that the realities of this is that we should not be made to feel ashamed of having that, of, of taking on that posture. Um, everybody does it or has that particular position that they take on, whether you're talking about uh, it's more like a family issue, something that happens within our family that we don't want to deal with dirty laundry or air our dirty laundry in front of anybody. We don't want, we, we want to be able to have the opportunity to resolve these issues internally um, and to come up with a standard or a model of how to deal with it in another way uh, or ways that are more suitable to us uh, and to our culture and to our experience. No one, uh, white people can't speak to our experience. That is, that's just the way it is. Um, white people cannot speak to our experience. And so that is not racist at all. Not one bit. To ban, to say ban all white people until we figure out what's going on, you're saying there are exceptions? No, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying there's an exception to it at all. There's no exception to be had. I think it's a matter of perspective of how you use the word semantics. To say ban white, ban all white people until we figure it out, uh, you know, let's not be too sensitive about the situation, right? Let's look at it like this. Uh, you know, as I said before, and, and I make no mistake, I make no apologies for it. Uh, that is how it has to be. And when it, when we deal with our issues, when we deal with our issues, they need to be dealt dealt with initially by us. Uh, across the board, really. We, we, need, we need to have controls over our situation um, so that we can be able to resolve it. Because again, I say, white people do not have our experiences. They do not have our experiences. And we have seen historical situations where we've allowed white people to get in and then we get distracted by it and, and we and we move away from the initial reason that we got together on a particular issue in the first place. Right? We well, need to focus. I mean, if, if you banned all white people, then there wouldn't have been the Underground Railroad. Maybe, maybe well, really? You know, we, we, can, we, can, we can say that and that's fine. Uh, and that's, you know, the Underground Railroad is, is, is a... Wonderful example of abolition and of white people that that helped out. Great, but yeah, they risked everything: their lives, their wealth, their their estate. They sure and, did. Uh, they sure they, did. But the, but guess what? Be, maybe but, their uh, descendants could be worthy of reparations, perhaps. Uh, perhaps, uh, but I, I will tell you this: How did we end up in slavery to begin with? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, 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 we, we, if, if, if they left us alone to begin with, none of this would have happened. Right? I mean, that's that's an undeniable fact. It was other ethnicities who enslaved all ethnicities, including blacks and whites. Yeah, and we talked now. about that a little earlier, man. I mean, I, I yes. yeah, but it's, the experience is not the same. It's not the same, it's and you totally cannot make yeah. that comparison. Uh, no one, no one should ever try to make that comparison, man. That is that is a slap in the face of what happened to us. There's a slap in the well, face of what happened to us. What, I don't. I don't agree with to, that. What's happening to all of us now, and I hope you can relate, as whatever ethnicity you are, everyone listening, is that we're allies against the gangster banksters and debt slavery, where we no longer have chattel or physical slavery. We have debt slavery, and it's come about through the Federal Reserve and um, you know the rigging of the economy with uh, when they issue uh, loans. They, they issued the principal in the circulation, but never the interest. So it's impossible for everyone to pay back principal plus interest when it's not circulation. And then people lose their collateralized property and they go bankrupt and ruin their credit scores. And and uh, their life goes downhill while the Federal Reserve Bank, member banks, uh, they start gobbling up all the physical wealth, all the productive well, I mean, they don't. The bankster gangsters produce nothing, and they are enslaving us who produce everything. I so agree with that, hundred ten percent. That's what we should uh, lie on right now. It's all economics, and um, you know, you're talking earlier about people sticking, uh, whites sticking up for blacks, and 
you know, putting their lives on the line in order to, um, because they saw it's a human issue. They see if it, they see, we see, I see that if it's being done to one ethnicity, well, that just opens the door, camel's nose under the tent for the next uh, ethnicity or all ethnicities. And, and um, I want to get back to November 21st. We we're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, that's the date that uh, Mobili called me a white supremacist. And then there's the case of um, Andrew Coffey, who is black, and he uh, also illegally owned a firearm like Rittenhouse, or he was in possession of a firearm illegally being a felon, but he was acquitted, and this doesn't make the news. I want, first off, just briefly to back up, the first gun control laws are, uh, were against uh, Negroes. Uh, no good, no guns for Negroes, I should now, I don't want to make that a derogatory term, but that's the uh, documentary. No, it's not a derogatory term. Yeah, I, well, it's a documentary. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Put, out, it was, put out by the Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership, jpfo.org. No guns for Negroes. And that was the term back then in the 1700s, 1800s, but um, 1800s, I mean. But, uh, you know, the, the, the point I want to make with Andrew Coffey, uh, the fourth, uh, he was acquitted. He was, uh, and he's black, but this doesn't make the news. And yet, uh, you know, I'm called a white supremacist, and others think that the folks who stick up for gun control rights uh, or gun rights, like uh, Rittenhouse's case, they're, they're called white supremacists just because he was at a Black Lives Matter rally. And it was not peaceful when he's being chased down the street and he was on the ground when he had to shoot his, assail his three assailants, two of which he killed. But Rittenhouse, I mean, pardon me, uh, Andrew Coffey IV, um, he, he's fighting uh, 30 years. I think that should be uh, brought up that uh, he, in self-defense, he, he was acquitted of two murder charges where his um, late girlfriend was killed by uh, the crossfire and by the cops who did not uh, report of, you know, the testimony is that, um, well, Andrew Coffey's testimony is that they did not announce themselves. And and so uh, why aren't we sticking up for Andrew Coffey the fourth when, is it because he, is it because of the, the uh, anti-gun, the gun control stance, the pro-gun control stance, your anti-gun stance that people don't want to stick up for him? <laughs> That's why I bring up the Rittenhouse case is because I want all of us to have the same rights to self-defense. So the Rittenhouse case, uh, let's see. What was, what's Rittenhouse's first name? Kyle. Okay. Yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse in, uh, on Kenosha, Wisconsin. He was, he uh, had an AR-15 and he was protecting uh, his uh, grandparents' car lot that had been torched, and you can see the photos of the cars that were burned uh, down the night before, and, you know, people fault him for being out there with a military weapon. Well, if he was a year older, then he would have been, you know, 18 years old, he was 17, but if he was a year older, it would have been legal for him to open carry. And so... So what, so what was... So here's what I want to know. What is your... What are you saying... Um, what are you saying about Kyle Rittenhouse? What is your point? Well, he had a right to defend himself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say that he's a supremacist. Okay, he, yes, there, there are photos where he hung out with the Proud Boys. And I don't know if they're racist because I see a lot of blacks and Hispanics with them. But the point is, it doesn't matter. You know, you can't equate self-defense with racism. And there's a video that I haven't heard mentioned on here that's uh, condemning of him. Uh, where it looks like it's him in the same attire that in, in another video where it looks like it's the same clothes, the same person, where he's uh, abusing a, a young lady. So, But that doesn't mean you're not entitled to self-defense and that he should not have been acquitted. So that's the point is that, uh, you know, and you know, one of his assailants uh, admitted on the stand, uh, Jade Gage Grosskreutz, uh, he admitted to pointing a handgun at, Kyle Rittenhouse before being shot in the arm. Okay, uh, I, okay. So now, I don't. Uh, I, I see now who who this is. Okay, I recognize it. Now, is this the same kid that was running through the crowd? That's not the same kid that was running through the crowd. The AR fifteen and ran to the cops. He's being chased. 
across the parking lot, and the FBI suppressed the video of him, uh, the clear video, until uh, released later. They got it, but uh, they suppressed the video. They withheld the video. You know, the, the prosecution's supposed to give exculpatory evidence, which is evidence that can vindicate the accused. And, uh, you know, later on the video came out, the FBI video of that was clearly showing him being chased across the parking lot. So mm. that's uh, malfeasance by the FBI. Is that, and, uh, is, is that prosecutorial misconduct? Is that's that the same kid? Is, okay, so that's the same kid that ran around with his in his mom's van, right? His, his mother came out there with the van, or, or uh, and and there was a protest going on. He had an AR-15 and ran to the to the uh, the barrier of cops mm-hmm. that were on the other side of the thing of the uh, of the protest. Yeah. Okay. I'm not aware of that. I don't know if he did. Yeah. No. That, that's a very. That's a, actually a very famous um, uh, a video that that actually shows him carrying AR-15, um, shooting into a crowd of people, and then running to, no. for, for defense by the police. No, he never shot into a crowd of people. I've seen the videos, and I've never heard of any accusation of that. He was putting out a dumpster fire that had been rolled down to the gas station and, uh, you know, with people all around. And, and um, you know, people said that, yeah, he was busting. Well, you know, his, his uh, like I said, his grandparents owned uh, the car lot uh, and they came on to that property to attack him. Um, the police uh, were told to stand down as businesses, other businesses also were destroyed and uh, his his dad, his grandma, and friends also lived in Kenosha, 20 minutes from where uh, Kyle lived um, with his mom in Illinois. So, uh, you know, he did have connections to the community. He was trying to protect the, his grandparents' car lot. Um, you know, someone knocked him down twice uh, and then attempted to kick him in the head. You can see that on video. Um Anthony Huber, one of his assailants, hit him in the head twice with a skateboard before he was shot. Um, yeah, I'm sure they were trying to stop him from shooting people. But <laughs> What's that? They were trying to stop him from shooting people, but he got off. He got it. He had his day in court. He got off. I don't even know why we're still talking about it, but you mentioned Andrew Coffey, and I'm not sure what all of the details are there. Here are there... But that sound that looks like a case in India River County, somewhere else. And uh, I guess my point is, you have to look, especially gun cases. You have to look at every specific state in every specific case because there are different values in different states. And this state, we're about to have a governor that wants us to be able to conceal carry. So I guess that's another campaign pledge. And we're probably going to have more shootings that we're going to have to have more trials about. And Every case is going to be taken on a case-by-case basis. Well, there is mass insanity out there, so I can understand people afraid of uh, people or others running around with uh, guns they shouldn't. So I think the problem is that people just are malnourished, over-toxified. They're going crazy because they're so toxic. And, and uh, you know, so then the, that gives the, including the police, and that gives them uh, an excuse to... Uh, trample all over our rights and uh you know the police themselves are you know they're they shoot their own um very often you know they they're victims of friendly fire and and they uh they're abusers they're they have a high rate of abuse of spousal abuse so uh you know i i think that uh that it's a societal issue it's not a, a gun issue it's a mental health issue and uh you know i think we have the right to self-defense with whatever means that uh, we we have uh, available to us, even if it's uh, not legal to own a, a firearm, you're certainly, you know, as they say, want to be judged by 12 and be carried out by six in a coffin. And, you know, also with Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, he didn't cross state lines with a gun that he wasn't supposed to have. Um, you know, yeah, but, that, the you know, the thing with Kyle Rittenhouse, and, you know, I'm not trying to get into an argument with you, and I know I'm not trying to cut you off, but there are other callers, but the thing with Kyle Rittenhouse yeah. is that this guy, you know, was at a, a protest that was already politically, there were the Proud Boys hate 
Black Lives Matter, and we would be stupid to think that if they show up with guns, they're not there to cause problems. And regardless of what they say, they were there to give medical aid. The fact is, that was provocative. And what happens, happened. And it wasn't good, it wasn't right, but it, and sometimes these court cases are not the place to air them out because the truth just doesn't always come out. I think that was a toxic situation, and he got off, and I think that's that's all we can really say about that. Yeah. Well, would you would you have chased down anybody who's fully armed? Um, you know, if they're not uh, menacing, even menacing anybody, they're not shooting somebody. Would you go chase after them? Well, that's uh, you, you know, know, it's really a rhetorical. It's really not. A, a healthy question for me because I wouldn't be in that situation chasing somebody down with a gun in the first place. It right. wouldn't be that important to me. But if they were like trying to not. neutralize Cal, which is what you know we have been seeing protests all over this country when it comes to Black Lives Matter after the after the killing of George Floyd. So we know there were provocators, people people out there being provocative, trying to make the protests more violent and we know that usually it happened that night there were a lot of people out there purposely being bad actors and we know that that's politics and we know that there are people who hate black lives matter that would show up to cause that kind of violence and that's you know part of the problem nobody wants to be honest about that and i think that you know we can't have a real true conversation unless everybody wants to be honest about every player and everybody's you know, role whether it's bad or good. Yeah, that's, that's, okay. that's, I'm sorry, that's, 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 we got other yeah, we callers. We didn't mean to do that, yeah, but yeah, we got other calls. We got it. We got to get to. Um, so, so yeah, that was an interesting yeah. uh, uh, viewpoint, but it, it was off scope of, of what we were talking about. Um, so, hey, let's go to our next call. Go ahead, caller. You understand the form? Hey, uh, nah. Hello. Hey, what's happening? Man, I wish I could get as much forum on me talking about pain and that stuff and these things from, from you or within the norm that guy gets and, and talking about Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah, that was... That was young 17-year-old uh, carrying... And first of all, a 17... Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. No, no, let's not. I, let's not. I just put, put up... You just give me some time. Don't cut, don't cut me off here at Annabelle or call me a, uh, a, 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 a perpetrator of... of, 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 of of uh, whatever it is, but anyway, <laughs> how y'all doing this morning? We all right. Boy, we all right. We just published a very a brand a new, a new article here, and I mean, you put it in you are within the norms dot com. I'll give them a throw about this one, and this is from the ACLU. Okay, the article appeared on the ACLU dot org. It says that pain control or pain relief for the lack of undertreated pain is a civil right. And it's the article by Kathleen Nicholson, and she is a civil rights attorney that uh, worked for the Department of Justice, and she also became a uh, chronic pain patient uh, because she had a very severe in- injury and stuff. And it's, the article is called "Pain Relief Is a Civil Right," and you'll find that in our article. You're within the norms, Kathleen. Nicholson Richardson is uh, Nicholson is a is, is a white lady, okay, and she talks about the hundreds of doctors that have been uh, wrongly uh, targeted and stuff in terms of relief of pain, and having worked for the Civil Rights Division, having been a a, a key person that has worked uh, uh, that that developed the. Uh, American Disability Act. She was in on it. She was also in on the so-called civil, the 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 the, the re uh, uh, issuing of the so-called CDC guidelines, in which she has plenty of criticism. And there's a whole podcast on this, okay? And uh, she talks about the, the the injustices and how people of color are being denied, and particularly women pain care and pain relief care and those sort of things. And she goes into detail on this. All right. Mm. What our government is doing in terms of the imprisoning of a physician, of a, of a farm targeting of pharmacists, black owned businesses, uh, uh, businesses where people of color, uh, of color, for example, I, she, well, one of the things we talk about 
is that we work with a group of doctors from physicians from India. Okay, these people being targeted like crazy, you know. And so we all gotten together and started writing articles about that. You'll see this in our blog, you are within the norms.com. So uh, we're not trying to, to, to justify, you know, carrying weapons and shooting folks. No, we're talking about health care. We're talking about getting people getting the finest education in the world, uh, doing everything that we espouse to do in terms of uh, what we talk about, uh, uh, you know, lifting ourselves up, being entrepreneurs, and in the process of being entrepreneurs and getting our education, we're targeted by, uh, 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 we're targeted, our businesses are targeted, our, 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 our education is uh, uh, our, is, is targeted, and folks are needlessly being imprisoned based on these uh, these uh, uh, really apartheid laws, you know, simply Jim Crow uh, 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 laws that have, have, that have come about that have that are, that are destroying the know-how people who have the know-how. Uh, within our within our neighborhoods and stuff, and this is what we what we what we're doing. We're, we've gone back to back to the system of uh, medical apartheid and 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 in our in our um, and how the delivery of healthcare is going. On. That's what we're looking at here. So read uh, you were this last article we put called "You Were Within the North: Pain Relief is a Civil Rights," and you'll find it very videos on there there's a podcast on there done by the aclu and maybe people will take us seriously now uh, as black uh, as, as, as black doctors and and our coalition of uh, of doctors of color and and white physicians who and and and, and, and uh, dentists and pharmacists who are all saying the same thing we all have various political beliefs but we've all been saying the same thing that there's this massive overreach of uh, of uh, of uh, people being targeted for pain relief in this country, with this opioid crisis, is nothing but a hoax. So, well, let me tell you, Doc, I'm with you 100 percent because we, you know, when we look at labor, uh, we cannot ignore this because uh, in, in our community we have a health desert. Oh, absolutely right. And I think that I think that we have to start looking at it like that for two reasons. One, from the perspective of the doctors, because that is that is a that is an occupation that needs to be within our community, mm-hmm. and need, there there must be that that source of labor. Number one, number two, is the is when we talk about people in the labor force in in the in the working man and woman's labor force. We have injuries, and we have the ability that we have the need for pain management um, and, and those types of of medical needs are not being met and and and, and so therefore the ability to go back to work uh, is hindered right mm. the ability to 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 function within the community is hindered. And uh, there is a need in order to, there's a need to resolve that issue. And so I say, uh, thank you very much for, for that information because we, we, we do need to know it. And folks, you are within the norms. Check it out. Uh, you are within the norms.com. You are within the norms.com. Check it out. Read it. Understand it. I don't think that we're doing enough of it. And uh, we need, we need to pay attention to that. Okay, and, and we just asked that we have a, a funding page there for thing, and realize that our 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 total system, particularly uh, our total system of healthcare, particularly at Black healthcare, is being undermined by the agency of the United States Drug Enforcement Agency, and this case is before the United States Court of Appeals mm. in Washington D.C., and we stand a good chance of winning. And also the case of Zulio, uh, Zulio Ruhan versus the United States. He's an MD doing 23 years for treating people with dignity and respect and for pain control. Instead, we're going using this war on drugs to go after 
our, our health care providers and to undermine certain communities. And that, and actually, uh, thousands of people have been killed by this era, by these errant policies of the United States Drug Enforcement Agency. So we're mm-hmm. we're fighting, bro. All right. Fighting. Thank All right. you so much for putting this on. Hey, you got it. Go, go to your congressman and people need to go to their congress people and, 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 and write about and demand you know, this, this type of uh, targeting stop. And also, you know, it's get and, and put the attention and help yeah. go to do, dollar sign Doc Norm and drop us a few good bucks there. We can keep, keep, All right. keep this party going. Thank you. All right, Doc, you got it. You got it. All right, you're within the norms.com. You're within the norms.com. All right, so we got, well, we got some calls, boy. Yeah, we do. We got some calls, <laughs> boy. We got some calls. We got some calls. Uh, but before we go to the next call, man, let's let's lighten it a little, little bit. Okay. I got some. The other day I was watching. Uh, I, I hadn't seen this name in so long, <laughs> but man, I tell you what, she was hot back in the day, and she's still hot to this day. And that's Cheryl Lynn. That's Cheryl Lynn, right? Shake it up tonight. Sound of Cheryl Lynn right here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa on the Sunday Forum. And this is Shake It Up Tonight. Mobility. Yeah. Let's get it on. Shake it on. This is from Got to Be Real, huh? Woo! to WMNF Tampa, music and news.
on the Sunday Forum with Walter L. Smith II. Taking your telephone calls, 813-239-9663. You gonna shake it up tonight? All right, all right. <laughs> hey, man. Listen, <laughs> man. Let me tell you something, bro. I remember being on FAMU's campus growing up. You know, I grew up on on the yard on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Man, let me tell you something, man. If you want, you I was up there. I went to FAMU High as a kid, right, which is right across the street from the university. And anybody who's ever whoever went to, to FAMU. You know where FAMU High is or where it was. In proximity to the set, which was, that's where everybody hung out, you know, on, on FAMU's campus. Man, listen, these these songs are so, uh, remind me of my childhood <laughs> in so many different ways, man. I mean, we came into contact with people like Cheryl Lynn, uh, Sherelle. Uh, Alexander O'Neill, Roy Ayers, people like that were on, you know, came to the campus, man. Yeah. And this is what this is what it was. This is what it was. So, you know, we often forget who these people were, right? And we can't forget that, man. Right, right. We can't forget it's that history. Yeah, as we as we come into was it July? Is Black Music, Black Music Month? That's right. Listen, man. As we as we approach, listen. Every month, every Sunday is Black is Black Music Month here. It's Black History Month, not even month. It's Black History. It's Black Music. It's a yeah. celebration of our experience, man. You know what I mean? And That's today right. we're talking about our experience in labor. We're talking about our experience in labor. And Actually, we have Black Music Month is it's June. June, it's in June. That's right. That's right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Um, it's in July 2 now nah, That's right It's in July, July 2 <laughs> nah, That's right nah. it's, it's every Sunday Right here on the Sunday Forum <laughs> okay. That's how we do it That's how we get down That's how we get down Here on the Sunday Forum We're going to play some more jazz Before it's over with folks So here we go uh, Let's go to the calls Go to the calls Let's get it Alright let's get it then We're going to the telephone calls Here on the Sunday Forum Go ahead caller The calls Hello Good morning. Good morning. Yes, you. I wanted to uh, respond to your comments about banning white people from organizations. Let me begin by saying that I have no desire to be uh, m- a member of any Black Lives Matter organization or anything like that. But mm-hmm. what I do want to point out is that when you start banning people by race because you, you, you assume that they can't have a certain perspective, then you get, uh, then there's a very slippery slope. I mean, then then you say, well, if they if they can't belong to organizations, well, then maybe they can't write about it. And see, and then then what would happen? How would you feel as a black person if if, if white people said, well, here's something that affects white people, but we're not going to allow black people to be part of the organization or to even write about it? Well, that's, that, well, now, look, hang on, now, but wait, 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 wait. <laughs> now the other thing too you need to realize is that on on any on any point of the racial issue, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. you have white people who are pro. Pro, uh, for it and against it, and you have black people who are for it and against it. So thus, by logic, no matter how you define right on any on any racial issue, segregation, Black Lives Matter, whatever, mm-hmm. there are white people who are right and there are black people who are wrong. You know, and, and there are, of course, white people who are wrong and black people who are right. So, you know, the thing is, if you're going to say that, uh, that, that because of someone's race, they can't think a certain way, that is classic racism. And let me cl- uh, close with a, a quote from Henry Louis Gates, professor at Harvard, a black professor, who said, whenever we treat an identity as something to be fenced off from those of another identity, we sell short the human imagination. Okay. Do not hang up. Do not hang up. I want you to, I want you to stay on. Okay? Yeah. All right. So first of all, I, that's not what I said. I did not say that at any point. 
What I said, what, uh, and I did not say that I agreed with the banning of white people from our organizations uh, because of race. That that's that's not what I said. What I said was, and I was very clear about it, I reiterated the point several times, and that is that it's important for us to recognize the need for black people to deal with our issues our internally first. And then, did, did, did I not say that, Billy? And then, at that particular point, we can, we can look at white people being involved, right? And that, so, so I have no problem with white people being involved or helping out or being a part of things like that. But I did point out the fact that we, whenever that happens quite often, we end up being, history, history shows it very well. Um, when we, when we talk about the issue, uh, the history of what happened to the Black Panther Party, for instance, um, the Black Panther Party, uh, began to, uh, uh, forget what it was focused in on because of they because they allowed um white organizations to come in and dictate to them what their movements were going to be and that was a problem and it caused a problem because they were not able to focus in on those issues they were distracted from the issues that were relevant to the community as a whole when at a period when we needed to focus and therefore it was one of the reasons why Cointel Pro was so successful. Number one, and number two, uh, I can get, I can give you several. Nineteen fifty-five, for instance, in the bus boycott um, that Dr. Martin Luther King was involved in, there were no white people involved in the in in the core of the of the planning for the bus boycott in nineteen fifty-five. That that did not happen. When white people were involved was after the major the the initial planning. Okay, and the reason that happened. Uh, was because there was a need for them to focus on those issues. The experience was not the same. The experience is never going to be the same. And therefore, at its core, and when we, when we do planning like that for things that are relevant to our community, we need to be involved in that. And then if others can, can resolve what's in their community and the way they feel about our community and how they get involved with our community on these issues, then they're welcome to join. Malcolm X was very clear about that point as well. Uh, you know, you, you know, we are the, the, uh, what was the organization for African unity? Right when he created that organization, he was very clear about it. He says, "Listen, we accept your ally. You know, you're being an ally, but you cannot be a member." And the reason was because they needed to focus in on what they were doing, and until they could resolve the issues in their community with the way that their attitudes were towards us as a whole, they could not. They could not be an ally. Well, let, let, let's take your let, let's take your logic to a very specific level because I think you present a good qualification, and that's interesting. But let, let, let's suppose we have an issue of interest to the black community right now. Just, with your logic, Rob Lori would not be able to communicate uh, communicate on it, while Alan West or, or or Clarence Thomas would. And so, you know, you, you have to have a you have to have a, a, a better sort of distinction than just race. I'm sorry, yeah. Alan West or. Di- you mean Cornell West? No, Allen West. The the the, 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 the okay. You talking about Allen West? I, I was hoping you meant Cornell West. Uh, no, Alan, no, no, I am not no, thinking no, about no. Any, any Allen West being a part of anything that I'm talking about. Yeah, well, Allen West exactly. But Allen West is black. Rob Lori is white. Are you going to tell me that you would that you would want to be in an organization which would ban the perspective of Rob Lori but allow the perspective of Allen West <laughs> simply that's, because of their race? That's no, that no, and, and that's that's not a that's not a fair. Uh, uh, presentation of what of what of of the of the of the issue that is not a fair presentation of the issue. What you're what you're saying is that the black uh, blacks and only blacks have to deal with issues first. Okay, now who's going to decide that uh, in, in our community relevant to our community and our experience decided only by black people? And when will yeah? Okay, so so blacks are are, are going to exclude whites from the conversation, and at some point this community, however nebulous it will be, will then magnanimously decide. It's okay now to let white let, let whites in on the conversation. That, my my friend, is racism. No, that's not racism at all. Sure, it is. No, it's yeah, not because you're, you're you're saying that people cannot contribute; they cannot have a certain uh, uh, perspective or characteristic solely because they're white or black. You never know. There might be a black person who's been raised by David Duke of the KKK. Would you rather have his perspective 
or would you rather have the perspective of Joe Biden or someone like that on the issue? That that's I, I you know I, I don't I don't that that's that has, that's a very unfair uh, uh, analysis of that because there's no way on earth. No, and, and and you know it as well as I know it, sir. That there's no way on earth that I'm going to sit there and listen to uh, 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 Clarence Thomas or <laughs> what, what's the guy Alan West. You know, yeah. there, there's no, there's no way. And more <laughs> more than that, they're not likely to be involved in the conversation anyway. That's number one. Number two, uh, we you know I have not. I've been involved in in several of these types of uh, uh, planning. Uh, planning uh, 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 groups, and and I'm telling you right now, in the initial phases of these of these plannings, they are that, that's that's because that's where they originate in the black community. That's what happens. That's who comes up with the ideas primarily. And then when that when when the planning the initial planning is done, then we start looking outwards to who the allies are going to be. That's that's plan, that's organizing one on one. See, you see, the thing is. You're now attempting to retreat to the idea of specific uh, specific causes, but you're talking on a broad conceptual level. Let me let me address one segregation. Re- Reverend Farrakhan, a man who I actually like in many ways, he's a segregationist. He talks about taking up uh, five or four or five states of America and turning them over to black people. Martin Luther King, integrationist, right? Now I don't know where you are on integration or segregation, but you have to agree with one or the other. What one of those guys is right and one of those guys is wrong. But now, and, and then on either side of that, you also have white people. You have there are white segregationists and, and white in, integrationists. Mm. So maybe you need to maybe you need to get very specific about exactly what kind of issue you're talking about. But I think the the idea that that only black people have agency and ability to, to, to comment on any uh, an issue it, that that's that's that is that is uh, segregating and discriminating against people by race. Let me give you another perspective from another another type of movement. Um, Leo Tolstoy, the great Russian author, he wrote about Anna Karenina. Now, Leo Tolstoy was a man. Was should he have been banned from writing about women because he was a man? Uh, uh, again, no one's banning in, in my in my analysis. Uh, the, well, the, I didn't say. First of all, I never used the word ban on my on, of my analysis of it. I was very clear that I, would, I did not agree with the, with the use of the term ban. And I also pointed out the fact that that was semantics. I don't agree with the word ban. I was totally clear about that point. Okay? That's number one. Number two, I work with white people all the time on, my, on the issues that are relevant to the black community. But that's only after, and they seem to have no problem with, with understanding the fact that within our community, there are certain things that only we can deal with ourselves. That's that's not an unusual thing, and there's nothing racist about that. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing racist about it. Well, when, when the caller called in, he asked, "Would you ban certain white people?" And you said, "Well, yeah." And you didn't say yes or no. And then in our conversation, you, you're saying, "I said, well, I don't yeah, think that I would use the word ban." Yeah, you, you would exclude. So I mean, and I, it, it depends. I don't know what I said. I would not about. use the word ban. Okay, all right, but you would, but you would exclude. I mean, that's that's the same thing. I would not. No, no, yeah. it's but, not. And historically, people did exclude. Like he referred to Malcolm X because of trust issues. There, there's just no trust because people could get into organizations who are white, get into black organizations to infiltrate them, to tell the police what they're doing, you know, to give them a heads up, you know. So I think that's what it boils down to. But I think this conversation was a little bit of a uh, misleading one because the uh, when it was first brought up by the previous caller, this was uh, about a post that that was really about am- immigration. It was a response, a reaction to Trump's immigration plan, saying let's ban all these people until we figure out what's going on. And somebody wrote a tongue-in-cheek uh, picket sign that said let's ban all white people until we can figure out what's going on and then that precipitated this conversation about whether or not white can join white people can join black organizations and they certainly could but I think a lot of people historically didn't like that because of trust issues and I don't know if you can blame them for that well, and let, me, let me point out two things about that first the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People the NAACP that's their name you know they, they've had they've had white people throughout their history, and I, 
whatever you want us to say about the NAACP, maybe you don't think they're perfect, but they have gotten an awful lot done. And probably, they've probably gotten more done than, yeah. and I'm not trying to be, be uh, 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 insulting here, but they've probably gotten more done than, 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 than the two, two of you have. Now, yeah. and re- re- regarding, and, and, and so white people have made great contributions. And as far as, and as far as the ending of slavery, I mean, for, uh, it, it was essentially white abolitionists who, who were responsible for that in, in America, right? Yeah, I mean, I, trust yeah. me, I, I'm a historian, and we yeah. know this, and uh, I just think okay. that it's it's a reactionary thing, and, and it's a trust issue. But mm-hmm. and I purpose, I personally think that we should remember Malcolm X's later statement that said, "If you're going to have a true revolution in America, you're going to have to organize all uh, elements of the oppressed, which would include poor white people, and poor white people definitely need to be. Uh, we need to talk to." talk uh, enough uh, together more because we do have a common enemy, but poor whites have always been bribed by those who control this economy to go along now, with the racism. So, now I, I will agree with you to, to a, a certain extent. For instance, and I, I called a few weeks ago and I mentioned this issue. There is a culture in the black community of you might call the, the no snitch culture, and that is that, that you, know, you don't cooperate with the police Against you know black criminals, for instance, you know, who may who may have even murdered some other blacks, and I and I think you you acknowledge that. Now, no, would, but no, usually no snitch doesn't really work for for murder. That's usually well, having okay. has more to do with financial crimes, you know, robberies and that kind of thing. But well, murders, well, I, I we brought, talk. I brought, up the, I brought up the example of the of the Fort Myers dance club shooting where where twelve black people were shot by by, by another black person, and eight of the twelve victims refused to testify in in, in the case against him. Now, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that that is, and I would agree with you, that is an issue that has to be solved by the black community. You can't, you can't, you, you can't expect white people to come in and solve that issue for you. I mean, that, 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 the, the no, the no. But it happens in white communities too, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, okay. and so. Yeah, and that needs to be solved there too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying that the blacks are uniquely wrong in this. Anywhere where you have it, it might happen in the Hispanic community. Maybe it happens in the Italian community. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, great uh, call, man. Yeah. All right, thank you very great much. Appreciate your call. All right, thank you. Now, something about man. I mean, you know, bottom yeah. line. I mean, but but it, it, that was a pure misrepresentation of what oh, I said. Yeah. Absolute. Uh, the whole thing was just all combobulated. Go ahead, oh, yeah, call absolutely. it. You're on the Sunday forum. Yeah, hold on. That white boy talked too much and too long. Um, <laughs> talking about uh, uh, white people shouldn't have nothing to do with what goes on in that community, right? Get the police out of our community. We can do it ourselves. But that's you know. Um, the other thing I would say is all this talk. We talk a whole lot about good and and, and bad or something like that. That good and bad. Who cares? There might be some good plansmen. It might be some uh, good police. Uh, who cares? It's about what is right and what is wrong. It's not about what's good and bad. Good and bad is so subjective. What what is objective though is what is correct. What is right? What is right? What is wrong? What's correct? Incorrect? And what is Correct is being on the right side of history, being on the side of the oppressed people. Uh, Jim Romali used to tell the teachers of that it's the, it's, it's the colonial uh, mode of production that shaped this world. All this stuff about race, even this, this woman, uh, I hear her call all the time to talk about scriptures. Even the scriptures talk about nationalism. All, the whole damn Bible is about nations and nationalism and one nation struggling for power, you know, struggling for territory. And if we want to, you know, uh, be representative of the Bible, of the of the scriptures of Jesus, uh, Jesus was a nationalist. He said, don't, don't, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what Jesus said in the scripture itself. You know, so we got to be nationalists. We have to organize. We have to be African people and white people don't have no business saying nothing about us that we don't let them say. And I said it. Uh, I don't know if they call it banning, excluding, or whatever you want to call it. I said it. White people don't have no business saying nothing about African people that African people don't let them say. And, um, it, I, mean, I, I wanted to get in much earlier, and I know we're running out of time, but I thank you for allowing me to say what I said, you know, in, in, this, in this little bit of clip. But, yeah, no, that, that white boy crazy. I, I wish you could get him back on the phone and me and him to sit across the table from each other and suck together. 
we look, we gonna, we we gonna open that that up. We gonna open that one up, bro. Okay. Hey, listen, <laughs> appreciate you, brother. I gotta wrap up, man. Oh, no, 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 it's nothing, nothing else, but I gotta wrap up. Listen, yeah. but we gonna we gonna bring you back next week because we want we want to continue this conversation. We gonna continue this conversation. I like that, and we need to do that. So listen, uh, brother, life, Malcolm. Uh, to everybody out there that's listening, uh, everybody that's watching, we appreciate you. And and as always, from our voice to the radio waves to the hearts and the minds of the people, we love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it right here on the Sunday Forum. Peace to everybody out there. Post Martin Hootenanny is next. Mm-hmm.